Michael Govier. Welcome to the First Day Pod. My co-host Leanne Hello and I are thrilled to have you aboard for another great episode. You're going to learn a lot today from our guest, Joe Gentile. Joe shares so honestly about his story. There's addiction, there's traumatic experiences, and there's reconciling with divorce at a young age. This truly is one of our best episodes yet because you can learn something from Joe's experiences and apply them to your own world. Now it's time for the First Day Pod. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the First Day Podcast. We are a podcast about mental health, uh, addiction, uh, learning, wisdom, education, empowerment, growth, spirituality, everything. You know, we can cover anything. We have so much versatility that it's just pouring out of us in every orifice available. I'm Michael Govier. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show at MJ Govier. G-O-V is in Victor, I-E-R on Twitter or yeah, just Twitter is fine. And then my co-host Leanne. Hello. Hi, Leanne. Hi. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, you excited I'm good. for the show? I'm very excited for the show. I can't wait. I don't know where we're going to lead to, but you just, oh, it's going to be so good. I can feel it. That's right, because we have another wonderful guest this week for the Sunday night edition. As always, don't forget, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's our new show time. Has been for the last couple of weeks. Always, always, always Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can join us and engage and ask questions on the live stream. And if you were doing that tonight, you'd be able to ask Joe Gentile. Joe Gentile is joining us live. He's here to talk about himself and his own experiences. Joe, welcome to the show. And how are you feeling on a Sunday night? I'm feeling great. Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to talking with you guys. Yay. Why? Why? Because you guys are the best. That's why. Michael <laughs> is just a ball of positive. No, seriously. Michael is like a ball of positive energy. I know some days are hard, but you know what? Yes. He always keeps it light and he always tries to. He's just a good guy. Yes, he is. And then Leanne, I've heard much about you and <laughs> only good things from Michael. Um, so I'm excited. <laughs> That's very sweet. <laughs> yes, I do love you dearly. You know that. And I try to tell people that every day. But this is the first day pod. So we're going to talk with Joe about his experiences. Before we do that, real quickly, I want to make sure you know we got a book club every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's when we get together on Zoom for one hour. We keep it nice and tight. One hour. No commitments. All you got to do is DM us on Twitter or the Facebook page at first day pod. And we will happily give you the Zoom link, right, Leanne? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're doing um, You Can Heal Your Light. You Can Heal Your, heal your Life um, yeah. by Louise Hay. It is so good. We're almost done it. Um, but if you've read it before or if you're in reading it right now and you want to come on, come on on Monday. Let us know. The conversation is always really good. And especially what I like is when not everybody agrees with what we're reading. So the conversation becomes really Everybody's respectful, but it's always yes. like a real good conversation, not just like, oh, yeah, we love it. It was wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You Super can learn cool. a lot. So DM us if you want to be part of the book club. Anyone and anyone is welcome. Anyone and everyone. We've met new people through it, too. People we didn't even know, and now they're a part of it every week. So please, don't be shy. Take a chance. You could just audit and just kind of be there. You can be as much of it or as little as you want to be a part of it. Yes. Joe, you ever been in a book club? Never been in a book club. That's something I've never done. Maybe I'll have to try it someday. Sounds pretty lame, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it sounds fun. Sounds nice. Sounds like actually a good time. 
Okay, cool. I always thought it sounded lame, but uh, once I started doing it, I found it's actually pretty cool because you basically you're just having honest conversations and you're learning about other people, which is something you can't always get from everyday life. And especially with the pandemic going on, having these types of weekly opportunities to socialize, I think is a real beacon of light for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really nice. You get everyone just coming together and talking. Yeah. Okay, so Joe, people don't know you. They've never met you before. They're fired up. The first day podcast is on. They're settling into their easy chair. And they're like, okay, what am I going to get from Joe Gentile? What's something that people should know about you, Joe? Um, well, I know you from writing about fantasy baseball. But um, today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, depression, uh, drug addiction, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to just, I'll just share my story and I hope it helps someone. Beautiful. Well, why don't we start there? What If people didn't know anything about you, how would you share some of your story with them? Why don't you just take it from the top and kind of give us a, give us a layout of things that encompass you and your experience. Okay. Well, I always start off before I dive into things. I always like to say that growing up, probably until my teenage years, I really had a great great life very strong family foundation um and i feel i feel lucky for at least growing up up to that point for where i was um and then later when i got into middle school some things um started to happen uh one thing i believe around sixth grade uh my parents they got a divorce Mm. and it it obviously will affect uh, a kid Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a little messy and I didn't know at the time when I was a kid, how messy it was. Um, as I said, when I was coming on today, my point wasn't to try to ruin anyone's career or put anyone in bad light, but I'll put it this way. Um, my father got a little bit vindictive and he made about at one point, probably 10 times more money than my mom. And he didn't want to pay her any money. Um, Mm. So like, he worked for a healthcare agency. And one of the things he did was it wouldn't have cost him any more to keep my siblings on his health insurance, but he just kicked them off just, just cause bitterness. Yes. Um, So that was and I didn't really learn about all that till later in life. Um, so that's kind of where they were at that point. Um, there you. were there were a couple other things um, that happened while growing up through middle school. So at that point, they got a divorce, and really, it was bad. And I wasn't. It obviously wasn't a point in my life where I was happy that happened. But it was, my life was still somewhat normal, if that would make sense. Like. Your parents are divorced, but your life is somewhat normal. Yeah. Um, and then around, um, ooh, sorry. Um, did you have Did you have any friends that were like had gone through the same thing, or like that that had divorced parents? Yeah. At that point. Um. No, actually, I did not. My class. I went to a private school. My mom taught at a private school. So I went to that school and there was only 25 kids in the, in my class. Mm -hmm. And so the only person that could kind of relate was my friend, his um, 
father passed away of a heart attack a couple years before that. So besides oh us, we were kind of like the only two missing a family member at that point. Okay. Um, and it, it was all new to me and it was all kind of a shock because like my friend even said, your dad's the one that coached us in basketball and stuff. And it's kind of weird that that stuff would happen. Um, so that affected me and it obviously, it made me sad. Um, but I kind of, I was young and I kind of went around life how, for the most part, how I was going. Um, and then I would say around going into my eighth grade year, this is about two years after my parents got divorced. Um, I got held up at gunpoint in a home invasion. Oh, um, wow. yeah. So I was, uh, what happened was I, we were going to actually go see the college world series and we were staying with uh, one of my dad's friends and we were at a Tulsa drillers game. Uh, I was getting, uh, we were there late cause we were getting autographs. I remember the last guy that signed my baseball cards was Charlie Blackman. Um, <laughs> He's good. Leanne. He's a good player. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we stayed late. Uh, we got back to the house probably around 10, 11 PM at night. And the man of the house that owned the house, he left the garage door open because we didn't, it wasn't our house. We didn't have a key to get in. So mm -hmm. he went to his house. He left the garage door open so we could walk inside. Well, while he left the garage door open, there were, um, there was a gun safe inside the garage. They could see from outside the door was open so some people walking by saw that and they're like, this is a perfect opportunity to rob this house. Uh -huh. So they went inside, robbed the guy. Um, and then they didn't know though, that we were coming home. And I remember when the car pulled up, um, I kept looking at the car in the garage and the lights kept blinking on. I was like, I was like, well, that's weird. I was like, why is he like, unlocking and locking the car consistently. I was like, that's really odd. And so the second we walked in the door, um, I was, I walked in first, I believe. So I was grabbed first. Um, I think I was tied up with like computer cables and I was thrown in the bathroom. Um, my dad went in behind me and then he was, uh, pistol whipped and knocked to the ground. Cause he's, he's a former college athlete former navy guy so he's kind of a bigger dude six feet and so it kind of took a little bit more to get him on the ground um and i remember um we were probably they ransacked the house probably while i was there probably for like another 30 minutes or an hour oh my God. um i remember uh it was all there is a lot of things now looking back at it that's kind of crazy um at one point they were talking about flipping a coin to decide if they'd kill us or not. Oh my um, God. they, uh, uh, the, when they put a gun up to my eye and I had contacts in at the time. And I remember my con, they put it jammed it so hard that my contact actually fell out. Um, oh my Lord. and then, uh, I remember when they brought in my dad, cause he had been pistol whipped. So he was bleeding. So when they, they carried my dad in, and so my first thought was, is he dead? Mm -hmm. um, because he was bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, so later we found out that uh, 
the man, he was a former, he was a lawyer. I think he was a former judge. He was a very high, like higher up kind of official person mm -hmm. in the city of Tulsa. And so he had signed papers from the CIA and all that for something. And so when they were ransacking the house, they found these signed papers for the CIA. And apparently that might be one of the reasons they didn't shoot anyone that night because they were afraid that this guy was a like federal agent. Wow. Hmm. Thank God. Um, so. And you're that, 13 at this time. I was going into eighth grade. This was my summer after seventh grade going into eighth grade. Okay. Um, so I think 13, 13, 14, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, wow. So that, um, and I mean, I'm, I, st I still am kind of a quiet person. I've always been kind of a quiet person, so I didn't really talk to anyone about it. But okay. the after effects of it, I mean, for probably a year or two, I wouldn't walk into a home by myself. I had to have someone walk in with me. Um, I would always check behind doors when I'd walk into a place, even just the bathroom. If I would walk from my room to the bathroom, I'd check behind the door and check the curtains behind the uh, shower. Um, I would, uh, I didn't sleep in my own room. Um, I went, I started sleeping in my mom's room again, probably for like a year or two, because mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be in the dark. And then one of the first times I decided, hey, you know, I'm a teenager. I probably shouldn't sleep in my, and there's, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with my decision to sleep with someone like in the same room after something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I want to try and sleep in my own room by myself. And one of the first nights I did, I had a dream that someone was inside the house and like robbing us. And I almost jumped out my own window essentially. Oh my God. Wow. Um, wow. So, so intense, man. Yeah, um, that, so that was one of the things that really affected me. That's kind of where the downspin kind of really started for me. Um, I really. Did you I, talk to anybody? Like, so you didn't talk to anybody. I, after this, I had a, I already had a counselor mm -hmm. um, for my parents' divorce. Um, and as I said, it was kind of getting a little messy, but I didn't really know it at the time, but they had a counselor for me then. So I had a counselor after all this. Um, but I, I was the kid that I don't know if you've ever seen people, the people that say they're fine, but they don't talk about things Yes. Um, because they don't want to like burden people. So that was. Me and I mean, even with my counselor, I, I didn't want to admit that I was a flawed person. Even people though think you they know, go to a counselor, that you'll just start opening up. That a lot of people just go to a counselor and say, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm fine." Yeah, that that's what that's what I did. I was like, I I don't want to say I was too prideful, but I was like, I don't need to be here. This is useless for me. So I would kind of think I was just hanging out with someone for an hour and then leave. But you know, do you really now? that you've had time to reflect and you've moved forward. Do you have an impetus for that now? Do you have an understanding of why you were that way or, or not? Is it still a mystery to you? Of why, like why, why I was personally, share, even with a counselor I, or anything. 
it's because you didn't know how to share or you didn't have coping mechanisms and skills yet or because you're young too here you're young yeah i think it was um i was just young um i don't want to say that i was as i said i don't want to use the word prideful but i looked at admitting something like that that i was scared or something as a weakness essentially Mm -hmm. um and so my point I want it to not uh, be that way and just go on. I want to just live a normal life and act like nothing happened. But I, I learned that you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was an event that probably really, really shaped um, going into, cause I was, as I said, I was going into eighth grade and I was really a, I got all the awards for being like, a good kid and stuff. So I, I wasn't a troublemaker at all. Like I remember in second grade, I once was with my friends and I made fun of a teacher for wearing glasses or something. And I went home and I was like, mom, I feel bad. Cause I made fun of the teacher for wearing glasses with my <laughs> friends. And she was like, she was like, I think it's okay. I was like, I was like, I just feel bad. Um, sweet. So, we have a quick question here. Uh, do you remember your aha moment? when your therapeutic alliance with your therapist started to click, if that happened at all, did that ever occur with you later on? Uh, I may need uh, some help. Like, did you ever, did you ever connect with a therapist at all? Even beyond that point in your life, have you ever had positive experience with therapy and counseling? I would say, yes, actually I have. Um, As I said, at that point, I didn't see much point in seeing a therapist i thought it was kind of useless i was this stupid kid that just didn't care um about that and i didn't think i needed it um later on and as we talk forward and even this year or last year um when the stuff happened to my friends i told my mom i was like i'm gonna go to a therapist to talk to them because i can realize that something there's a problem so I have built a rapport with those people now. And I think it's not their fault that I didn't either. I don't want to say it's a therapist's fault because I wasn't yeah. opening up and they can't, they can only do so much mm-hmm. um, That's right. to help me. So it's ultimately on, they're there for support, but it's on me to open up and tell them how to feel. Before we move forward, this is probably the most prescient and valid question of these, or at least the one I'm most curious about. Is there anything your therapist could have done at that time to help you see the need for therapy in that moment when you're that age after these traumatic experiences? Was, do you think there's anything a therapist could have done for you to open you up more or, or gain some type of favor with you to get you to be slightly more open to the process? Or was it just always going to be that way regardless at that time? That's a great question. Uh, I I feel like if you would have show at that time, I don't know if they really could have done more than what they did. Um, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but as I said, I was not a troublemaker back then. I never got in trouble, and so if you showed if they were and they can't do this but if you were able to like fast forward my life five six years and be like this is where you're going to be at and show me mm-hmm. that then i probably would have been like 
first of all, I probably would have been like, I'm not going to do that stuff. And they would have been like, right. yes, yes, you are. And you, if you don't seek help, this is where you're going to be at. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point, actually. I've had experiences in my own life where I was with counselors and therapists and nothing was getting done. But I actually thought I was cooperating, but it's possible that I wasn't. And I was being stubborn and, and being... Uh, confrontational and trying to say, oh, it's not that, it's this, or thinking thinking I knew more, but not even thinking actively that I did know more. I was just always skirting off to another subject that never got back to what truly, in essence, was the main issue at hand causing all of the disruption in my life in the first place. Yes. And what happened, like, so when your parents were going through the divorce, you ended up going to therapy because it was starting to get, or a counselor because it was starting to get messy, you said. But what was that because a, a counselor at school set suggested or because one of your parents suggested or how did that come about? Do you uh, it was my, I don't know, my. it was ultimately up to my mom. My dad, I mean, my dad didn't really care about me seeing a therapist. I think he kind of fought it actually um, mm -hmm. thought it was more of a waste of money but mm -hmm. um my my mom was the one that drove that home and i believe it, i think it was one of her friends we knew someone from one of her friends and they my mom as i said she didn't have much money um mm -hmm. my dad wasn't going to pay it so i think they were able to give us sort of a discount to help nice because okay. they realized before i started doing stuff they realized kind of I believe the word they used was I was a high risk teen of as in high risk of getting into trouble based on past events. And right. they were right. I wasn't getting into trouble at that time, but later on I did. Makes sense. Okay. Interesting. All right. So let's uh, continue on Joe, continue uh, sharing with us if you so choose. Yeah. So um, as I said, I didn't talk about that with anyone. Um, I went to high school um, and this is something I don't want to pass this up talking about high school. I shouldn't, I probably should have been expelled from the high school, but the high school I went to was a private school. They helped us out tremendously without them. I don't know where I would have been. Um, and they could have, and probably should have kicked me out at multiple points, but they decided they knew my life and they decided to help. So there are good people uh -huh. out there that actually care. Um, but, um, so I went to high school, I was supposed to, um, maintain a 3.0 GPA, I believe for the scholarships I had didn't do that. Um, as you could probably guess, school was not my main focus. Um, my main focus was actually baseball and I didn't even want to go to the school because I had my hitting coach at the time was um, a high school coach and he wanted me to go play for him and I had really bad anxiety and I didn't I didn't do well under pressure and I still don't um, still something I struggle with is under pressure I do not do well so I wanted a free ride to a team um, so I was almost trying to get kicked out of that school so I could go play baseball for my coach um, oh. but they they didn't kick me out they said they looked at my life and they said, Joe probably needs some help. So let's let him come back again next year and see what we can do. So that was my sophomore year of high school. And you're getting your driver's license. 
and all that. And as we know, high school substances are a commodity. You got parties, you got all this. Mm -hmm. So I'm a troubled kid and I'm like, Hey, let me go out to some parties and start drinking and stuff. So that's what I did. I started partying a little bit. Um, nothing too crazy later on. And that's kind of, I know a lot of people can probably speak to this. Sometimes when it starts, you don't, you don't just instantly go into something crazy. You don't just live a party life. You like go to a party on weekend. You say, Oh, that was fun. Maybe I'll go out another time. And it kind of starts to spiral. Um, but at that point, my sophomore year, what happened was I actually, so I went from, I had this high school coach that wanted me to play for them. I tried out my sophomore year for the high school baseball team and I got cut from this team. So getting cut from that team, instead of me saying, Hey, I need to work harder. I can do this. I decided I'm just not going to play baseball anymore. That's mm -hmm. it for me. So, um, I got cut. So I had free time. And so I talked to my mom and we said, she was like, well, if you're not going to play sport, how about getting a job? So I said, it's a good point. Let me get it, go get a job. Um, and so that's what I did. I started working. I started out, you know, making, I think it was like eight bucks an hour plus some tips. So mm -hmm. maybe 10 bucks an hour when it was all said and done. Um, but I was working and I was doing well. Um, I think, I got the first ever employee month there. So that was cool. And um, I took pride. I took, I'd struggled in school. There's something weird. I struggled in school, but when you said like when it came to work, I did well. So it was very mm -hmm. interesting, but um, something that kind of struck me early on was, and as I said, my mom's going through a hard time. I don't even know how hard it is, but um I was working. I'm not making much money. She asked me, Hey, can I like take $200 out of your bank account to help pay for rent this week? And I was like, yeah, of course I felt good. And I don't think she realized, but when I got felt good and I was talking to her about it, she, I said like, Oh, I gave you $200. That's awesome. And she, she was like, well, that's not like a lot of money and it's not um, in the big terms of thing. But I took that at that point, me being 16, 17 years old, I was mm -hmm. like, I need to get more money because we're afraid of losing this house. Cause my dad who is making at least six figures, we'll just say doesn't want to pay my mom anything for the family to live. Um, so I went down some, I tried to get money going down some roads that were not good. Cause mm -hmm. I was already working 40 hours a week um, at 17. And I, you do what you got to do. And I should have. And she didn't want that. And that's not what she was talking about. She wanted mm -hmm. the best for me. And so, sure. but I was, I was thinking at a young age, I didn't understand. So I was like, let me try to, because if someone tells you you're possibly going to lose your house, you're kind of a little afraid. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And makes sense. The thing about those people that I was talking about that were there to help us. Um, they actually, there were times where we are actually, were going to lose our house, but they came together and actually covered like that wow. month's rent. Um, so, I mean, 
as a kid, I shouldn't have worried about that, but I did. Um, and so that kind of, when I got into that world, it kind of all even started to down spiral even worse as you could guess. Um, at this point, um, I probably started getting really heavy into substances and I essentially wanted, I waked up every day, basically just wanting to die. Um, so I remember at the height of it, I was probably spending anywhere between $50 to $300 a day on it, on my addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, and my hope was that I would eventually just overdose and that would end all the problems that I thought I had. Um, and I, uh, it all kind of started this kind of road started the school I went to, it was a private school so they could drug test you. I got in trouble at a party. And so they started drug testing me. Well, I said, instead of me taking that time being like, okay, let's not do anything and just focus on school. I said, well, you know, there are other things I can do that don't show up on drug tests um, or that take less time being the ignorant kid I was. And so I started doing that stuff. Um, And then my senior year, I believe my mom kind of found out more stuff and she sent me to rehab um, for a second time. And I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't take it seriously that second time either Um, because I didn't think I didn't, I honestly, it sounds crazy to people, but I didn't see I was doing anything wrong and I didn't think I had a problem. And I know people later on, I found out people that knew me, they were like, it's good that you quit because I'm surprised you're alive today. And I didn't realize how bad it was um, at the time. Um, But so I went to a second rehab the third time was the time where I actually decided enough is enough. Um, I was, um, I got in a fight with my mom and I knew I wasn't going to be able to live on my own with the substance abuse I was going through because as a 18 year old with an abuse problem that even just $50 a day, you can't really make it on your own with that much change going to that. So um, I decided that I was going to try to kill myself. And instead, my mom took me to the hospital. And then I was basically institutionalized for a couple of days. But because of that, it really kind of made me take a step back and look at everything. And I'll, I'll tell you this, the, one of the best at that time, one of the best three days of my life that year were being in that like institution because I didn't have any worries at the time. There was no like worries about life. Just what was ever going inside those walls where you had to worry about. And that was all I really wanted was a second to step back and not have to worry about everything that was going on in the world. Um, and so 
after that, I got out and I went to my third rehab, which was an outpatient. Um, so I could continue working. Uh, and that was when I finally said enough is enough. Let's take this seriously. Um, I went to that outpatient. I was there for months. It's probably one of the best times I ever had, honestly. Um, I was going to AANA about probably once to twice a day because I just needed to go there. Um, and I stayed probably after that, I stayed sober for anywhere. It was between six to 12 months. Um, I did have a relapse, but, uh, for the most part, I was able to stay sober and it really going to those places really like, I don't think people understand when you're at a low, low place, those places are so severely needed because I need it's other people like me that, you know, this is a safe space we can talk and um, to get other people's inputs from there. Because but the you, one... Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, the one thing you learn when you're in those places is you are not alone. There actually, there are a lot more people that have gone through stuff like that than people I would think. There are a lot more people than people think have actually gone through stuff. Why do you think the rehab worked for you one time, but it didn't work the previous time? Was that because of you and your own you, honest? Did you honestly just not want to stop? Yes, essentially. Yeah. So the first time I, I basically, I failed a drug test for smoking weed and I was like, yo, I was a sophomore, junior in high school. I was like, it's just weed. I mean, y'all can like chill. I was, I was kind of like, everyone's doing it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, second time. Yeah. I didn't want to change. I knew, I was going to, the second I got out, I was going to go back to the same stuff. I think when I hit that low point of, Hey, you know, you're going to kill yourself type mentality is when I took it seriously. It wasn't. And I've talked to people about this before. It, I don't want to say putting people in rehab is bad, but for me, it wasn't going to work until I took a step back and looked at myself and said, I need it for me. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it. I wasn't going to get sober for anyone else besides myself, essentially. And I don't want that to sound selfish, but um, until I wanted it, it probably wasn't going to happen. Well, it's similar to the therapy. You were told to go. And so you went and you just went through, like you said, it was just, a, I'm hanging out with somebody for an hour. It wasn't until, you know. That's, that's the way that it is. I think all the time you have to make the own your own decision to be doing it. There's rehabs here. There's um, places here that they won't take anybody unless they walk in on their own. They You can't say, you know, my, my brother or my whatever needs your help. Please help them. They won't take them unless they walk in free will to do it on their own. So there's a lot to that. It's not just you, yeah. That's true. Uh, we had uh, some comments while you are talking. Uh, Josh says, I've had counselors who just gave up on me in the past. Has that ever happened to you, Joe? Mm. Yes, actually, I have had that. Um, and they just, they told, um, they basically told my mom that they couldn't watch me just kill myself and that they weren't able to get through to me because I was, I started talking about doing more and more instead of talking about how to improve myself. And they said, we, I, I can't do this with him 
And um, do you know he, if they referred you to somebody else or did they just say that they couldn't help? Uh, I can't, you know? I can't remember how they might've, but um, yeah, they just, and they, they were giving, as I said, they were giving us a discount to try and help. So they were basically losing money seeing me. And if I wasn't going to take it seriously, then there were other people. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah, that that is challenging. We're talking here with Joe Gentile. He's telling us his story. We're engaging and learning from him and his experiences with addiction and therapy and traumatic experiences. And definitely PTSD was going on here because you had two traumatic events have with divorce and then that horrific night with the robbery and gunpoint. Those are incredibly difficult challenges to get over and i'm not surprised that you ended up substance use as a dependency for you to try to relieve that pain and look for an alternative way out i know the experience myself i did the same thing my parents were divorced and you know it happened to me at a later age in life which is funny because you never know when these things are going to come up and creep up on you and they're going to strike if you don't deal with them which i didn't and joe didn't at the time they will remain on resolved and you think they're dormant but they're not they're not dormant they are certainly not so joe you you get sober for about six to 12 months you say after that stint in rehab and what happened after that uh you know i don't know if you've ever heard this um thing they say when you're in aa you should never start a relationship um mm -hmm. for 12 yes. months yeah. yeah, they say, yeah, stay one year free on your own. See if you can do the program by yourself for a year, yes. How'd you yeah. do with that, Joe? Yeah, girls uh, girls kind of brought, well, I don't want to blame the girls, but um, I started using again, basically, um, to kind of get back in that world. Um, ah. And so I had, I, I would say, probably once a year now at this point, I have a wake up call every year. Um, I think that year, my wake up call was having um, police bang on my door there to arrest me um, for stuff I had done, done in the past, like two years ago, uh, two years prior. And that was, Hey, the stuff you've done is not good. It's, it's going to ruin your life. And this is the road you're going down. Um, luckily, how, well, I don't want to say luckily. Um, I, my family, my mom's a teacher at a private school, as I said, and we don't have a lot of money, but teaching at a private school, we've met a lot of people and, we knew a family that again, a family in this community. Well, first of all, this community, my mom didn't have the money to bail me out of jail. So of course these people in this community get, get together and they bail me out again, again, being there for me and basically saving my life. Cause I, I told my mom, I said, don't, don't bail me out. I said, you don't have the money. Don't worry about it. And then these people came and it was, I think I believe it was three thousand dollars. They came up together, and, um, and then for when we went to court, those same people. One of them was a lawyer, giving me 
helping me out and giving me a discount to help me um, stay out of trouble and try and fight this to where I didn't go to jail. Um, they, um, I guess they, they saw something in me. I don't know what, but at the time, um, they saw something in me and decided that they were going to help our family again. Um, and that's something I will say I don't take for granted is not, I have done things, but a lot of people that have been in the situations I have had not had the support and the people around them like I have to help me out. And that's something I do not take for granted is that I was privileged enough to know these people around me that have basically been there for my family and basically saved my family from almost, I don't want to say traumatic events, but events that could have been, had major consequences to them. Mm. Um, had they not been involved in our life. Um, but I was able to um, get off. Um, I got five years probation, but um, that was originally from what I was looking at, that was a miracle. Um, and so I decided from that point forward um, that I was going to try to better myself. And um, the one thing I didn't realize, and I don't think people realize, is it's not a day one, everyone's going to look at me different now. It, it really took probably six to eight years of my life to finally get to the point where I am now. And um, something, it, it, it took a lot of hard work. As I said, I was working 40 hours a week. I was trying to go to school. I, I was trying to play catch up from where my friends were because they were in college and they were finishing up school. Yeah. And um, it it was hard sometimes. I'll be honest. It was hard a lot of days. Um, and the only thing I think we can do is, and I know this is something they say in rehab and AA, is just take it one day at a time. Just, mm-hmm. you know, don't look a week, a month ahead, years ahead, just, you know, one day at a time and just stay focused on bettering yourself. And, um, we all have our struggles and, uh, but the only thing we can do is keep pushing forward. And something I shared with, uh, you guys was even, even though this year I'd say my life has done a complete 180 and I'm in a completely better spot now. Last December, um, I, w- I was in a bad spot. Um, I was working a lot, and my f- I had three friends. I was supposed to go out with them that night. I was working 60 hours a week. I fell asleep. Um, I'll be honest. I just didn't want to take a shower and go out, so I just told them I'd go out with them the next night. Turns out that night there was um, uh, some dude harassing one of the girls that was in our group. And um, my friends went up to say something to him. Turns out that dude was in a gang and whoever the other guy in the gang was with him did not like that these guys were saying something to them. So when they got outside the bar, they started a fight 
and three of my friends ended up getting stabbed, two of them killed. And um, I woke up, I woke up the next morning thinking nothing happened until someone came into work and told me. Um, and so even, even at that point, even though I'd been working on things, I fell down a rabbit hole that January. I spent the whole month of January um, basically just drunk with my friends. We were just drunk all the time. Every day was us drinking. And I remember I told someone, I said, look, I told my mom, I said, I know what I'm doing is not what you want me to want to see. I said, right now, um, we're just going to mourn, but I, and don't take this as this is how you're supposed to handle this. Um, but I did tell her, I said, I, I, I realize I'm going down a slippery slope, so I'm going to contact a counselor and talk to them. And that's what I did. Cause again, I was falling down that hole, but luckily now, um, I know the warning signs and I know what to look for. And I was, I told her, I said, I was just like, I, I, I know I can't keep this up. I, I, I'm in a bad spot, but, and that's really, I don't go to a counselor all the time, but I know now at least to, for when I'm going to have issues and when I need to reach out. And I don't, I don't feel ashamed or embarrassed to reach out to those people. That's amazing. That's fantastic. That's what you want to hear. That's growth. That's maturity. Uh, I'm really, really struck by the stories, man. I, a lot of comments here, too. Would you say it's a reason to make a change? I'm not sure what he's referring to uh, there. The wake-up calls you refer to is what he's saying. So, Do these wake-up calls instigate a change within you? Do they initiate change in you, Joe? Yeah, they kind of they're basically there as a reminder um to kind of you know last year my friends the stabbing it's a reminder of don't take life for granted and that yes. it's it's um just really special and there have been a lot of things i think um one of the guys one of my old dealers is um one of the things that really again woke me up was he's probably, I, I believe he was looking at life in prison. Um, and so when you, when you look at stuff like that and you take a step back and you say, is this really what I, where I want to go? Um, is this really what I meant to do? And, um, it's, it, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just sad. And it's sad. Is it I enough though? Is it enough? I mean, we all have these wake-up calls in our lives that come along, and a lot of times they don't click. Um, they don't seem real. I think the thing with me is, um, and I don't want to speak for other people, but I, I've seen what happens if I don't watch myself and don't follow the right path and decide I know what's best instead of um, not caring about what my what i do affects other people um one of the things i never thought about when i was um suicidal was how is and this isn't what people think about when they're suicidal but one thing i look back now is how did all of this affect my mom mm -hmm. i was i originally started this stuff to try to help my mom and in the end i look back now and it only hurt um it really killed our relationship for a couple of years. Um, 
to where neither of us spoke to each other anymore. And we were really close and we're really close again. Now I think is the beautiful thing about it. Um, because we've, it took a while for that healing to begin, but we're now in a better place and it took a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. Um, Joe, you have been through like any one of your stories would be enough for one person, like just one of the stories to come like compile and compile. Um, You've had quite the journey with all of it, even not the even not the huge like the robbery and the friends and all of that, like those big, big events, but even just your journey with um, substances and the school and everything. What piece of advice would you give to people that are listening to it right now that are just kind of starting? They're seeing that they're, they're like you that were, they're just doing the thing and everybody else is doing it and they're fine and they don't have a problem and they don't have an issue. Um, what's some of the advice that you can give to people before it gets out of hand? Do you think that there is anything that you can give to people? I know that's a really loaded question if you can't answer it, but it's, I'm always fascinated because it's exactly what you said. It's not like one day you wake up and you're a partier and you're doing this thing. It's Mm -hmm. steps. Do you feel like there's something? Uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, the one big thing um, is first of all, just taking it one day at a time, just looking to improve yourself one day at a time. Um, That's funny because this, this, uh, our first day pod used to be the first day of the rest of our lives. This is the first day of the rest yeah. of our lives. Because we would start the next day, right? We would start the diet. We would start the thing. Tomorrow's and now, a brand new day. Right. And but through this whole podcast and and the way we've been doing it, I've really been looking at it like every day is our first day. That's brilliant advice that you just have to look at it one day at a time. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really because I think we all get focused on – looking towards the future, looking towards five years, like even just five years in advance, we get so focused on it and we don't realize that right now is what's most important. Um, And I would say for people um, to don't be embarrassed to reach out to someone like a counselor, um, take it seriously. And I believe, as you guys know, Daniel Salinger, I believe we've, she's talked about this is one of the things you got to do is, if you need help, go ask for help. Usually if you can, if you have the resources, go to a professional and sit down and be honest with them by not being honest. You're probably just wasting yours and theirs and everyone's time. Um, yes. sit down. They're, they're not going to judge you in any way. Um, trust me. They've probably what, what you think is bad they've probably seen worse. And I don't mean that like negatively. I mean, that's a great point. um, They've dealt with a lot and that's their job. And they're usually pretty good at dealing with stuff in those areas. Um, And just don't give up. Um, I know that's kind of simple, but really that's all you can do. It's going to be hard. I think that's one thing. It, it wasn't one day. I was like, oh, I'm going to get better. And now my life is easier. It, it, it did take a lot of work and it's sometimes hard to 
continue that growth and um, just try to get better every day. Um, something I've been talking about and that I would love to hear what you guys think is something I, I still sometimes struggle with what I've done in the past and I'm embarrassed by what I've done. Um, but I also know what's in the past. There is really no going back and changing it. Um, so right now I'm trying to, instead of focus on the past, I'm trying to become a better person, trying to be more aware of not just what do I need, what do the other people around me need? And as I said, um, I talked to Danielle every once in a while. I was talking to her about, I get these thoughts in my head about these big, nice acts I can do for people. Oh, if I make a million dollars, I can donate half that money to charity or something. Oh, yeah. there's all these, there's all these acts that I can make up in my head, but I was talking to her and I was like, really? Um, the other day, and it's, it's very simple. Uh, the other day I, I go to the gym, I come back, my mom, she's, oh God, 61 now. Um, and she's out there pulling weeds in the yard. Um, and so I just come back and, just helping her. And I know it's very simple and people probably don't think about it, but just helping her instead of worrying about everything, other people that aren't around me, the people that are, if I see that she shouldn't have to ask me, go out, help her. And I told her, and she was so thankful. And I kind of joked with her afterwards. I was like, I was like, man, I was like, we've kind of failed you as children. If you're that thankful <laughs> that we, that I went out there and helped my 61 year old mother pull weeds. I mean, I, I think that's the, um, yeah. I, I think just looking, taking time to look around you. That's really what I'm focusing on now is what can I do to improve myself? Cause I'm still flawed. And although I, I'm not the same person I was, it's, I like sharing this because it's still part of me and I don't want people to look at me as like, I'm perfect. Cause I'm very flawed and I have a very flawed past. Um, yeah. not flawed. They're not flawed though. I mean, that's not, I wouldn't use that word. I mean, you, you just have experiences that are painful and traumatic that you should be, you should describe them that way. But and even if you're talking about your actions and responses to those experiences as flawed, that's part of growing and maturity and the human mm -hmm. experience. So, I, th I think you should never be too hard on yourself because that's one of the things we all do here. We know that we're masters here. We have yeah. doctorates in being too hard on ourselves here. <laughs> so I want you to know that don't don't make the same mistakes we have. How old are you now, Joe? Uh, 24. Oh, 24 years old. So you are in a prime spot right now to take advantage of the opportunities that yes. you've had with these painful experiences and not let them be anchors over the next 15 plus years of your life. By the time you hit 40, you should be able to move away from those things and look back and say, hey, you know what? I really took advantage of life. I didn't let these things to happen to me as a, that are terribly, terribly painful and traumatic. I didn't let them be constant reminders of the pain. Instead, I used them as tools to learn lessons from and applied it in my everyday life by doing, like you said, we all know it's a cliche, but one day at a time. It can really happen. It is possible, and people have done it. I know that 
It's better that way. It really is. Life will be more rich and full of beautiful and positive and painful experiences that will still actually be a bit useful. They will. They will, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. And you just being on here, here's the thing too. If you didn't have any of these experiences, like I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. Um, but if you didn't have any of those experiences, you wouldn't be here having this conversation. You wouldn't be here with everybody in the chat right now that's can relate to, I mean, sure, they probably can't relate to every single thing that you've gone through. Um, and I can't believe that that's all happened and you're only 24. Um, but they can relate to it. And you're giving them um, help in like things that you can be doing because you came out the other side. So like I said, it's really a shame that you had to go through it, but I'm grateful that you're here to be able to share this story with people because it's just like you said, when you go into these rehab centers, that was super helpful because you were around people that got you, that were going through the same thing that could help. Um, so unfortunately, we need to have people that are going through that and all of us have our story. Nobody I've never, at least if they exist, I've never met them that don't have a backstory of something that they're, they've had to go through shame or guilt or whatever. Um, and the majority of us hang on to it. And like Mike said, just don't hang on to it. I don't want you to be 40 and, and talking to us and being like, I'm still trying to work through it. So no, 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 you can work through You can, I know what you mean there, Leanne. Leanne only has nothing but the best intentions, but you can have... You can be 40 and say, hey, you know what? I, I'm still working through this. But the point is to work through right. it and be aware of it, not live in denial, not not have it show up in front of your face all of a sudden and be like, oh, shit, it's still here, and I'm going to go do something right. stupid now. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah, I and, thank you for your comment. Yeah. Leah, yeah, I know I, we have to go. Well, I, I hate to cut it short. Uh, I can still have a few more minutes, though. We oh, you still have, have a couple minutes? Okay, mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Say, go ahead and speak your mind. Uh, I was going to say, I think I get what you're saying is don't, if you have a problem, make sure to deal with it because yes. if you, and I think that is where I never dealt with any of my problems. So I went from, I was adding on this, 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 and I never dealt with the first thing. So then I had 10 things. And by the time I had 10 things, I was basically shriveled up in a ball in a corner. Right. Right. Well, people are saying here in the live comments, they really thank you for sharing and they think it's very courageous. And that's very, very true. You are a courageous man. You could just ignore your experience and try to move forward in life and not share with others. But I think you're like me. You're like Leanne. You understand that by sharing your experience, you can possibly open up other people so that they don't feel as terrified to be alone with their thoughts. You know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've reached out to. I mean, as you know, Justin Mason, I reached out to him and I said that there is someone else in the industry that has shared something similar to me it means a lot to me that you would say that because you go through, you're thinking everyone where you work or whatever, everyone's going to judge you. But there are people probably that sit next to you that have also had a similar experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I wear these experiences, my addiction experience, I love it. I look at it now, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that happened to me because it changed my life for the better. And people who don't know me be like, whoa, that's crazy. What are you saying, Mike? I'm like, no, 
I have become such a better human being because of my awful experience with opioids and drug addiction. It took That's everything funny. from me in the moment. It took my job. It took relationships. It took all the material things I had. But I've come out on the other side of it now with a greater appreciation for what I have right now for the moment I have here. And I can say, hey, thank you, opioids. Thank you for this experience. That's I funny. Mean that. It's funny that you'd say that because I had someone come up to me recently and they, they asked me a serious question. They said, I know you're embarrassed by what you did, but would you take it all back? Mm. And it's a hard loaded answer, I think, because if I had to redo it knowing what I know now, I probably wouldn't do that stuff. Sure. But my when I was talking to them, I said, well, yes and no, because I think I've actually learned. I think I'm a better human being going through the stuff than not going through it, because I don't know if I would have been that great of a person. I would have had a whole different views on the world at least um i would have looked at people differently um had i not gone through that stuff yeah you you want to apply the lessons you learn if you could do it again sure but like you said it's a loaded question it's complicated it's very complex the world is not black and white it's very gray and mixed with all kinds of intricate intricacy intricate intricacy intricacies <laughs> Intricacies, you said it. Yeah, intricacies, <laughs> that's right. There's a lot of intricacies in this world filled with complex thoughts that web within one another. Feelings, actions, thoughts, they all apply and get raveled up together like this and twisted. And you try to unravel it, you may never get back to the original source of how it all started in the first place. But what you can know is that, yes, I had pain and I've been through pain and I understand that. It actually makes you a better human. It helps you empathize with other people and you don't cast judgments quickly. You're like, oh, you're an idiot or how dare you? How could that person do that? You don't look at it that way. I mean, am I right, Joe? Do you see things differently when you look at other people's actions? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't let the small things bother me. I think um, where I used to let small things, you, I don't, wins, say, Leanne. I, I don't want to say I'm desensitized by things, but you see things on TV and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you guys decide, but I'm not going to get mad what I see on TV. If I want to, if I see something that's not good, I can say, Hey, what can we do to fix it? Or I can try and fix it, but I'm not going to get angry over what I can't control. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's true. Fantastic. That is so beautiful. I just, Joe, I cannot believe that you were a 24 year old man that you, everything that you have dropped about the mo the only moment that we have is right now. And, you know, all of this stuff is stuff that like it takes people decades and decades and decades to gain this kind of wisdom. So I'm super excited to see you grow through this. And oh, my gosh, you've come a long way. Yeah. Long and as, way. I, as I said, it, I had to do it, but I had a privilege of the people that were around me and without them. Without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. Without my mom staying on me 24-7. Because I, 
I used to almost hate her because at one point she was like, you're not going out at like at all in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's, I was like, that sucks. I'm a senior in high school. I have to go out. But she was doing what was best for me. Those people in the community that, and I, those people in that community, I basically spit in their face and they just wiped off the spit and then said, reached out and tried to help me again. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I want, that is wonderful that you're so grateful. That is fabulous. But I don't want you to negate the work that you've done and that you are where you are because of, because there are many people that have had people give them reason to get back up and a leg up and a, and they still don't take that time. You know, you took a lot of time to really figure out seeing, I don't want to go down this path. And it was a constant. So I don't want you to negate that because that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. And Danielle exists online. Danielle is so glad. I know you left Twitter, Danielle, but she's still on Facebook. So she says she's so glad you're here and sharing your story, Joe. Thank you, Danielle. We uh, miss you. We hope you're doing well. And I know uh, these are some tough times for you here over the next month or so. So, Danielle, make sure you take your own advice. You know, you got to dish it out. You also got to be able to absorb it. We all have our opinions about how we should live our lives, but then we don't listen to ourselves with our own (laughs) situations most of the time. We really need to start listening to ourselves. I'm raising my hand as much as anyone. Nobody else here. That's me I'm talking Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to close out the show, the first day pod. We've talked here with Joe. We didn't even get into, uh, you know, nutrition and exercise and, like, food, all that. So that's just an excuse that we'll have Joe back on again so we can talk more about that because... Joe, you've gotten in tremendous shape and you're eating properly and your nutrition must have something to do with that, right? Correct. Yes. And that was, as I said, after I won't go in too far into it, but after my friends passed away, that was one of the things I looked at after drinking all that time. And I said, I got to do something better and more productive. So that's when I started eating better and going to the gym. Good job. Yeah. And if you see his Twitter feed, uh, yeah, he looks all right. He's he's getting there. He's still got some flab he's got to cut out, but he'll get there. He'll get there. Don't worry, Joe. You keep uh, you know, plugging away. Good things will come. But yes, Joe is a really good spirit. You know, a guy his age, frankly, you know, he could just you could go another twenty years on a bender, and that you know, there's a lot of people that don't get into AA or they go to rehab until they're in their forties or their fifties. Even mm-hmm. I went to rehab for the first time in my thirties, so you know. You are actually way ahead of the game, believe it or not. And I think you should be proud of yourself. Take pride in that. Not too much pride. You know, always be humble, of course, which I can tell you are. But I want to have you back on the show again so we can talk more about you know, food addiction. And, you know, we we struggle here with food addiction, right, Leanne? And sugar. Yeah. And we have Dave Wolf. Who come, he'll be coming back on the show here this month to talk about sugar addiction. It's a, it's a real problem, too. It's not something that is in everyone's face necessarily because they don't see it as a necessary or as a desperate problem like a heroin addiction or something. But it's there every day, and it's it's a killer. It really is. No, I mean, when you go into rehab, one of the things they ask you is about caffeine because it's mm-hmm. one of the most addictive substances out there. That's right. Yeah, no caffeine allowed. That's what I do you mean? piss people work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Leanne drinking her coffee from my mom, by the way. Mom, she loves that mug, so good job. I do. It's my favorite. Yes. All right, Joe, so as we wrap up the show, any final thoughts? Uh, any parting words for the audience? Uh, I think just I. it was amazing to talk to you guys. I think you're both the best. Um, Michael, thank you for being a positive ball of energy in the community, um, fantasy baseball community I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I will, of course, anytime you guys want me to talk, I'll come on. Can't wait. Can't wait, That's, Joe. You're amazing. Yes. Well, we'll definitely, yeah, we will talk again in the next couple of months. This has been a really, really powerful, yet hopefully useful conversation for all of you out there. We love the comments and the feedback. That's on our YouTube channel, which is First Day Pod, at First Day Pod. Our Facebook page, our Twitter page, those are all the same things. At First Day Pod. Please follow us. And if you're listening to the podcast format and audio version right now, thank you for listening to the show. It's a real pleasure to have you aboard. We're grateful, very grateful for the time and energy that you give us. Five-star rating on Apple Podcasts wouldn't hurt if you like the show. Sharing the show with people you think need to hear it is how the show grows. And I know there's at least one person out there who's not listening to this or viewing this right now who needs to hear this show mm -hmm. because they're going to take something away from it that will be of service and use to them. And we're all about being of service. Right, Absolutely. Leanne? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Joe. This was amazing. It's no problem. Thank you guys for having me on. <laughs> you got it, Joe. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll catch you next week, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Next weekend. Who's on next week, Leanne? Oh, gosh. Who is on next weekend? Oh, um, Neviana. Is Neviana next week, I think? I believe so, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's going to be so good. She's an entrepreneur. She's a coach. She's a really oh she's amazing there's going to be a lot of talk and we're going to get into not only health and um but just the whole mental aspect of it she we were talking about addiction and she said addiction to thought is one of the big things that she wants to talk about so i'm looking forward to that too we just have the best guests joe yeah, well, i love you already <laughs> thank you i love you Lucka. guys thanks joe don't forget to follow joe too on twitter at joe gentile ftf Joe's a good follow. He's willing to be open and honest about his life, so you should probably follow him so you can learn more. And then he can learn from you at the same time. It's all about wisdom, empowerment, and education. Thank you. From the First Day Pod, till next time, catch you on the flip side. Bye.